Hello, listeners. Welcome back to Nature and Science for Kids. I'm your host, Moose Jaw Matt. Thank you for joining me. This is our fourth part in our four-part series about Mount St. Helens. Going back all the way to April, about four months ago, we started this journey, and it has taken a while, longer than I expected. But nonetheless, here we are, and I'm looking forward to it. We have an interview today. We have an interview with Jane Kurtz. We're going to be calling her Miss Jane here. And she says that she's a registered nurse, and her specialty is helping mothers and newborn babies learn how to breastfeed. That's important. She grows raspberries and blueberries raises goats, and plays the hammer dulcimer. Listeners, I don't know if you've heard of the hammer dulcimer before, but if I were to pick a second instrument to learn, it would be the hammered dulcimer. It sounds wonderful. Listeners, when I say keep exploring your world, I mean it. Keep exploring your world. There are so many fun things to do. Oh, I want to learn the hammer dulcimer. But time is the thing. I have to commit my time to things that are most important. And right now, there's not extra for another instrument. So I will have to be content. And I digress. Let's come back to the interview. Miss Jane, welcome to the podcast. Actually, actually, we're not ready for that. Miss Jane, we're almost ready for the interview. She says she also has seven grandchildren who have stolen her heart. Yes, and I think some of them are listening right now. If you are, thank you for listening. I've heard about you, grandchildren. Miss Jane, thank you so much for joining us here on the podcast. I'm thrilled to have you here. Thank you. I'm thrilled to be here. <laughs> so let's get to the story. Mount St. Helens, we've had a series, first parts, then uh, of the eruption and then the recovery. And now this is kind of the culmination and interview here with someone who was there. Where were you when Mount St. Helens erupted? What were you doing? I was about 80 miles away, and I was the nurse at a, a little clinic. It was called a reconditioning center. That's where people came and lived for three weeks to help get their, their health back. And it was Sunday morning, early Sunday morning. Nobody was there except about 10 patients people who had come uh, to try, that were kind of sick and trying to get mm-hmm. better. And I was the nurse and I was teaching a class. The class was in the basement of our uh, the home that we all lived in. And there was a classroom and it had little windows kind of clo- up near the top of the wall because it was in the basement. But mm-hmm. the wall, we could look out the window. And I, I was teaching a class. And I looked out the window and I saw the blackest clouds I had ever seen. I thought it was going to be a terrible thunderstorm, like a real gully washer. <laughs> the, the people in my, the students in my class, the patients, they couldn't really see out the window the same way I did because I was up in the front of the room and I could kind of look at an angle. 
And I said to them, you guys, something's going on outside. I'm going to go out and look. I'll be right back. And they said, well, okay. And I ran upstairs and went outside. And that's where I was. That's what I was doing. Could you hear anything? I've heard some people say that they heard something. But then in this case, you saw something before you heard something. Did you hear anything at all? You know, I have read about, and I've been told there was a boom, a big boom that you could hear up to 200 miles away. For some reason, I did not hear that. No, I did not hear. I was inside and we had activities going on and, and, and maybe that's why I did not hear it. But I went outside and I looked up in this big black cloud. It was huge and it was so black. I knew it wasn't the second coming because when Jesus comes back, there's going to be a cloud the size of a man's hand. <laughs> and this cloud was huge. And <laughs> yes. it was getting close. And by the time I got there, it was really getting close. It was almost over us. And, and I was looking at this cloud. And I, then I, something was itchy on the back of my neck. And I put my hand back by the back of my neck. And I felt it. There was something, something there. And, and, and I heard kind of this soft something coming down and it felt, I realized it was sand. Sand was coming out of the sky. I thought to myself, you know what? Noah saw water come out of the sky for the very first time. And I'm seeing sand come out of the sky, out of this cloud, sand. And it was coming down. It was getting coming, starting to come harder and faster. And it was kind of quiet, like like when in a snowfall, when the snow's coming out, there's just kind of mm-hmm. quiet. And yes, it's silent, but you know you can hear this just a little bit of something. That's what it was like. It was kind of eerie. Yes, that when the snow is coming down, it's kind of like this soft dampening sound. So it sounded a little bit like that. That's the closest thing I can describe. It was a little bit louder than that, but but it was just kind of gently coming down everywhere, this sound. At that point, when you recognized that there was sand coming out of the sky, do you know approximately how long it had been since it erupted, or at least you initially saw the cloud? It actually erupted, I learned later, at Mm -hmm. 8.32 on Sunday morning. And where I was is was directly downwind. We were 80 miles downwind from Mount St. Helens. So we, we were a direct hit. The f- wind was blowing about, the cloud was traveling about 60 miles an hour. Hmm. So, or, or maybe it was faster earlier. Eventually it was, it was about that fast, but it was, it hit Yakima that I was outside of the city of Yakima, Washington. Out in, they have, they grow lots of orchards and fruit there. It's just very fertile soil. And we were in the middle of a cherry orchard outside of Yakima. It took about, I think it took about an hour, uh, to get to us. It got to Yakima at, at 9.45. It got to us a little soon before that. So around an hour it took to get to us. 
So I'm looking at a map here, and I'm going to try to piece it together for our listeners. Mount St. Helens is west and slightly south of Yakima in Washington, and Mount St. Helens erupted north. On the north side. And if the wind and the commonly the currents going across America blow generally east. Yeah. So you were in the perfect spot because you were slightly north, definitely east. So a lot of that would have been blown right over you guys. You would have been some of the first people to experience any fallout from the sky of sand and debris. You're right. We were a direct hit. And we didn't know it was coming. We didn't realize it. There was no computers back then. We didn't Mm -hmm. have cell phones. There was no notices or anything beeping on our phones. They didn't have cell phones. All we had was a radio because we didn't have a television in our at our our clinic and so while i was outside trying to wrap my brain around the fact that sand was coming out of the sky which i had never seen or heard of before there was one worker that was at our total it was total health foundation that was the name of our clinic who she was in a cook and she came out she had been making getting things ready for lunch she came out on the front porch and said Janie, it's the mountain. She blew. She had been listening to the radio. And on the radio, they announced that Mount St. Helens had blown. And then I remembered, oh, yes. I remember hearing something about there was little earthquakes. There had been Mm -hmm. like hundreds, probably thousands of little earthquakes for the last several months. But we got so used to hearing about it, we didn't think anything of it after a while but now we knew this was something to be respected it only took about five minutes before that sand was coming down like crazy and it got darker and darker and pretty soon it was pitch black i put my hand i took my hand i put it in front of my face and i could not see it And I brought it closer and closer to my face and I brought it up to my nose and I touched my (sighs) nose with my hand and I could not see my hand. That's incredible. That's, that's intense darkness. Complete blackout. (laughs) So I got, I went back in to my class. My students were waiting and I went downstairs and I said, something, the mountain blew. We're not having any more class today. You're dismissed. (laughs) Everybody went outside. And we realized this was a historic day. We had never, nobody even knew what to do. We'd never been through anything like this. Yeah. Well, I have a question. Mm -hmm. How, you said you went outside and you began to feel the sand fall and then it was like a blackout. How long was that span of time from when you first saw the cloud and felt the sand falling on your neck mm-hmm. to when you went in to dismiss the students? I went, I, as I think about it, I went in to dismiss the students and then I, we went back outside and it, the blackout came. So it, it okay. took a few minutes, but it didn't take long. Wow. That's still, that's brief. So it didn't even take yeah. hours. This was oh, no, no. a short Maybe span of time. Maybe 15 minutes. Wow. Okay. That, so very rapid events there for you. What a change in the atmosphere 
and for the people in Yakima and other places in Washington, so yeah. rapid. People were at church. A lot of people had gone. It was Sunday morning. A lot of people were at church. Ball games were getting ready to start. Um, some had started sports events and stuff. Everything came to a standstill. The lights turned on. The birds got quiet. The crickets started to chirp. <laughs> and instantly, the speed limit in the town of Yakima, they instantly put it down to 15 miles an hour everywhere. Yeah. Yeah, that makes sense. <laughs> if it's so dark. Mm -hmm. uh, leading up to this, uh, you had mentioned that you heard some about earthquakes and rumblings and things. How aware were you and some of the others in the area that Mount St. Helens could erupt? Not terribly. We heard mm. about it, but it became commonplace. Oh, yeah, there's been mm. lots of, just like sometimes we hear about, <clears throat> there's been lots of tremors around Yellowstone National Park. There, there's earthquakes and tremors around there sometimes. And so I think we had <clears throat> no concept of what it meant to be, for a volcano to erupt. The, the, mm -hmm. the, the consequences, the implications of having a volcano erupt. We had no idea what that meant. <laughs> We'd never been around it before. Yeah, yeah. Just something that you hear about long ago and far away. So because it was kind of rumbling and rumbling for weeks and going on and on, it sort of became almost mundane like eh, yeah that's what mount st helens does it'll probably die down and yeah. become commonplace of, yeah yeah and then looking back in hindsight <laughs> epic um historical day did life change much for you immediately after the eruption you mentioned that they dropped the speed limit and how quickly it became dark were there other changes for the residents there in washington especially washington Oh, yeah. Immediately following the eruption. Life came to a standstill. S whole cities were brought to a standstill. School was closed. No sporting events. All the stores were closed. Nothing happened. I mean, see, every time when a, a vehicle would drive, it whooped up this whole cloud of ash because it, it, it didn't just stay still. If you, the wind would blow or if a car would drive, the, it would become so, it, it, it was so fine. The, the heavier particles would st like, would stay down. But there was much soot and, and very fine particles and it would just all make a huge cloud of dust like, and you couldn't see. Two cars had a head on collision going five miles an hour. Wow. At least they were only going five miles an hour. It, yes, but it wasn't just <laughs> dark. It, the, it wasn't like nighttime when it's dark and the air is clear. This mm -hmm. dark, it was darker than night because it was total pitch black. And, mm. But the air was dense with this ash. And how long did it last like that where it was hard to see? Are we talking like minutes or hours? Oh, no, the entire day, that entire Sunday, we couldn't tell when the sun went down. 
because it was so black. We looked out our window at noon and the whole, it, it was like somebody had a piece of black paper right over your windows. <laughs> it was every window that you looked out. It was total black. And it was it stayed that way all that day. And the next morning, we never knew when the sun came up because you couldn't see. It was still black the very next day. And I can't remember. It was either the second or the third day in the afternoon for about one o'clock, one or two o'clock in the afternoon. We had about one hour of it went from black to just a little bit light brown. That's hard to imagine. <laughs> a little tiny bit of light got through and then it went away. Here I'm, I'm sitting in my room and there's light coming in. It's so bright. And to think of it being so dark that you can't see. When um, you went into your house, did you take in sediment with you and did it you shake it off and it fall on the ground? Or what was that like? It wasn't that much. When I first went in, the first time I went out, I went in, it wasn't that much. But after when it was coming down like crazy, yeah, you kind of, if you went outside, we went outside once or twice, but we didn't go outside very much. There was this strange blue lightning that was going on. And we, I learned later it was kind of a chemical reaction. But um, wow. yeah, you kind of shake it off just like you'd shake snow off. So you wouldn't bring it in. But this is like snow everywhere, but it didn't melt. So even as the, as the cloud began to clear and we started to have light, you couldn't see the sky for several days. Mm. But as we started to have light, you, you had all this ash, like all this sand everywhere. We had like three or four inches of sand everywhere. Wow. And it's like snow, but it didn't melt. It just accumulated. It was awful. And Unreal. people would wear, we didn't know if it would affect our health, breathing this stuff. So people oh, would yeah. put bandanas yeah, over Yeah, I didn't nose. even think about that. And we didn't, nobody knew what was going to happen. I went around that the day of, uh, that Sunday, the day of the eruption, I went around and filled up the bathtubs with water. Because we didn't know if it would affect our electricity or if it would affect our water supply. And here I had about 10 patients that I I was responsible for. <laughs> and so I filled everything up with water just in case we were to need it. And we filled up pitchers and bottles with drinking water. And we all listened to the radio. Everybody had their ear tuned to the radio. And that day... On the radio, I remember the radio announcer saying, now, don't panic. We just we just don't panic. We don't know what this means, what's going to happen, but just stay home, stay inside, and don't panic. And then they had a special announcement. And the special announcement was, we have just gotten word that all the volcanoes in the Cascade Range are beginning to erupt. Now, that was not true. Thank goodness that was not true. We, one volcano was bad enough. <laughs> yes, yes. But there are some other very large volcanoes in that area. Mount, mm -hmm. Mount Rainier, Mount Adams, and cool, Mount Baker. They're all up and down that mountain range are many volcanoes. Mm -hmm. But that was what they told us on the radio. And that was 
that was kind of scary to hear that. But you know what we did? I decided that we, that there were, we should start memorizing a psalm from the Bible. And we started to memorize, with my patients, we started to memorize Psalm 46. That talks about, even though the earth is moved into the depths of the sea, God is our, our ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear. <laughs> That's a very appropriate, very appropriate psalm to match with the uh, circumstances. <laughs> it was really something. Yes, there was five. I was... Um, we, what we found out later, there was 540 million tons of ash that came out of Mount St. Helens. And the cloud eventually mm. went around the world. It wasn't mm. that in, intense because it dropped a lot of that sand and ash on us. 600,000 tons of ash fell on Yakima, they estimated. 600, say that again. 600,000 tons. Just on Yakima just on Yakima. And it went on for eight days. The ash kept coming for eight, eight days, but each day it got a little lighter. So at first it was pitch black, and then we had little times of brown in the afternoon, and that would get a little bit longer, and eventually it was just sort of like cloudy, like it was foggy, until it finally cleared. That's amazing. And when it cleared... Yakima, the, all the land around us looked like a moonscape. <laughs> I have seen some pictures of what it was looking like after a certain number of days with the ash. And it does look like the moon, just this fine, dusty, these particles resting yeah. everywhere. That's right. It was, it was a huge mess to clean up. Because all this is like snow that never melted. And it was weight on people's roofs. And people had to get out and take brooms and shovels and get the ash off their roofs. And we had to put uh, the air intake filters on the cars would suck up this this ash and sand. And it would mess up people's mm, engines. That's right. And so we, what we discovered, somebody discovered, and we all did it, was we took like lady stockings, <laughs> pantyhose, and put it around the air intake filters on cars to ah, yes. to protect them, to protect the engine. Like a filter. Yes, that's right. A filter for the filter. So that makes me want to ask, I had not thought of this, when you clean up snow, it kind of goes in piles, mm -hmm. depending on where you're at. If you're in a city, they come and take it away. Mm -hmm. What did you all do with all the ash? That's an excellent question. The whole population, the whole city, the whole everybody worked together. Churches, clubs, baseball teams, everybody got together and helped each other and got up on their roofs and shoveled it off and moved all this ash. It was just like moving snow. Uh, they only, the poor city of Yakima only had two street sweepers for the whole city. Well, that's no way. The mayor wrote a letter to the president, President Jimmy Carter, and said, please send us help. We can't deal with all this ash. 
And they sent equipment from Portland and Seattle, the big cities that were not hurt by the ash as nearly as badly as we were. And they helped us to clean it up. And everybody had piles of ash and they came and took dump truck loads of it. You know, we had, um, 31,189 dump truck loads of ash just from Yakima, Washington. Oh my. And there was this area not too far from where I live, the north end of the city, that was kind of a, a, a swampy, just big lowlands like ditches, big ditches. And they dumped that ash over that lowland, that marshy, swampy lowland. And they had, they put so many thousands of dump truck loads of ash in that area. They built soccer fields on top of it. And today it's a park. <laughs> Evidence of an eruption. You can go to a park. That's amazing. Yes, it's wonderful. And, and now when the kids, when they have a day, a day of history, when May 18 comes around and they want to teach the school children about what St. Helens eruption was like, they take them to that park and let them dig and they can whoop up some ash and, and clouds of, of ash and, and soot and they can see what it was like just a little bit. <laughs> so now when you go to uh, like the Mount St. Helens National Park, you can get ash and vials. Mm-hmm. But at the time it was, it was just a, a pain, something to get rid of. Oh, it was horrible. Take it away. Take it away. Please take it away. Yes. And, and now it's valuable. I, I actually, yeah, I kept a little bit in a jar. I still have it today. But a, there was a cannery, a place that makes canned fruit. And they asked for a dump truck load of ash to be brought to their cannery. And they canned it and sent it back east and sent it all around the world for people to buy. So they had, could have it for souvenirs. <laughs> Someone's trouble is someone else's gain sometimes. Oh, it was a creative way of something to do with it. <laughs> Everybody worked together. It was quite a wonderful thing. Crime went dropped instantly. And, and everybody just worked together. That is interesting. I had not heard of that. That makes me have so many questions. I'm not even sure where to begin. <laughs> so interesting. I'm glad you shared that. And eventually the air cleared and the schools opened and the stores opened and we discovered that it didn't af- bother our health too bad. And it, we, it actually ended up being good for the soil because mm-hmm. one of the reasons that Yakima Valley is so productive for apples and cherries and fruit is because it's on volcanic soil to begin with. So this just was like fertilizer for our soil. And it turned out to be a blessing. That's amazing. <laughs> oh, I love that. Yeah, I we've talked about on the show before, at least Brent mentioned in um, passing sometimes that what seems like a disaster, actually in the previous episode about um, the last Mount St. Helens episode about recovery, is that even these disasters are a way that God uses to bring about the uh, nutrients being spread around so that the soil is more fertile. It's a pain for the humans and the animals in the meantime, but the end result is a healthier overall life in the area. So I'm really glad you shared that 
because we can forget, we can focus on the disaster and forget that there is a blessing in the end. That's right. Some something good can come out of what we see as an absolute disaster. It's like Laura Ingalls Wilder. She, her father, Ma and Pa would say, "There's no great loss without some small gain." that's so so true and that cloud we learned later was for that cloud of ash that came out it was 40 miles wide and 15 miles high that's amazing so this is a really big deal and you know what mount st Mm. helens is not even the biggest volcano out there (laughs) yes it uh lost uh, over a thousand feet off the top, but even when it was full size, it's not even as large as Mount Rainier, Mount Baker, Mount Adams. That's right. It, it was one of the. It was beautiful, but it was one of the smaller ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, you can only imagine if one of the others erupts, or Yellowstone, or some other volcano around the world, how much ash and power it could have. You're absolutely right, Matt. You're absolutely right. It was it was so powerful. It was like let me see. It was one thousand six hundred times the size of an atomic bomb. That's a lot of power. Oh yes, look what one atomic bomb can do. A thousand six hundred of them all at one time in one place. Twenty four megatons of energy came out of there. You know, it's almost like God is giving us just a little glimpse of what power is like. Mm-hmm. We think that's just phenomenal. And it is phenomenal. And the, and the Lord God says, ah, that's, you want to see something? <laughs> I can show you something even bigger than that. <laughs> That's right. I'm coming to get you someday. I'm coming to take you home to heaven. <laughs> That's right. Well, I think this is a perfect stopping point. Miss Jane, thank you very much for taking the time to share with us. I've enjoyed, there were things that I, I had planned to talk about and I expected, and then you shared things that I was not prepared for, and I'm I'm grateful for what you shared. I've learned, and I hope our listeners have a better idea of what it was like to be a person there near Mount St. Helens during and after the eruption. Thank you. I appreciate it too. And it's just a wonderful thing that the God that made Mount St. Helens, that has all that power, cares about us. And we can be his children if we only want to be. Absolutely. Thank you again. Okay. Thank you. Bye now. Well, that was excellent. Thank you so much for sharing about your experience there at Mount St. Helens. I was negative three when it erupted. That means I was three years away from being born. So I do not have any experience with the mountain besides what I've learned second to hand. It's nice to talk with someone who was there. Thank you, Miss Jane, for sharing. And listeners, we did it. We finished this four-part series about Mount St. Helens. Woohoo! This was great. You know what? I think I need to go and get ready for the next set of episodes. 
I'm Moose Jaw Matt. Until next time, keep exploring your world.